Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hi guys, so it's the eve of uh, a football competition in Euro 2021. Um, yeah, pretty excited to be watching it myself. Uh, you know, whether or not England are going to do okay in it, we yet to be seen, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to even just the first game, Italy versus Turkey. But anyway, I digress. Um, it is a bit of a football episode, football theme for you today. But we do cover some other things as well. Um, as I talk to one of the most formidable strikers in um, England Premier League history, um, Andy Cole, who's won pretty much everything as a player. And, um, you know, we talk, uh, we talk about lots of different things. We talk about Euro 2021, England's chances, some of the the calls Gareth Southgate made with his squad, which ones he thought was right and wrong. We talk about Harry Kane. We talk about his time at United and the treble winning side. But we also talk about um, things that have been very highlighted over this last year in um, racism and taking the knee and his thoughts on that. We talk about COVID and how he dealt with isolation and um, the problems and uh, how tough that he he found that. So it was really great um, talking to Andy. He was open to any kind of question that I wanted to ask him. And yeah, as a footballing fan myself, it was an honour to talk to him. You know, not quite Shearer, but yeah, Andy Cole's not too bad as well. <laughs> That's a Newcastle fan in me talking, of course. Um, I know plenty of people that would disagree with me. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, really great chat with Andy, really nice guy. And be sure to follow us on our Facebook pages. You can follow us on The Shapes of Stories on Facebook. And my Facebook page, if you want to find out more about me and my books under Lawrence Prestige, you can follow us on Twitter at Shapes of Stories. You can follow me on Instagram under Prestige Books. And if you're able to support us in any way and donate um, anything to, to help us bring you more fantastic guests and episodes of the show, um, Please support us. You can find out more information on how to do that in our subscription um, box and our information box and how you can do go about that there. But anyway, without further ado, here is my chat with the one and only Andy Cole. So Andy, is it great to see that fans are coming back? In the stadiums, <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Um, I think fans have been missed. We all know that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to see them all come back and um, you know start enjoying the football again. Yeah, and obviously we're approaching Euro twenty twenty one. I mean, what have you made of what do you make of England's chances? I suppose first um, quarter semis. Yeah, I didn't. Did, there's better teams uh, than England. You know, I know everyone keeps talking about football's coming home and, you know, the tournament's in England, so that gives them a better opportunity. For me, personally, it makes no difference. You know, wherever a tournament's played, you know, you've got to be, I mean, at least the best team or considered to be the best team, you know, to win the tournament. Uh, I mean, England, England do have quality, but just looking around, you know, I think there's the stronger teams than England. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that when you saw Gareth Southgate's squad announcement? Was there anyone that you thought was unlucky to miss out? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I mentioned. I, I thought Danny Ings was um, for me personally. I, I thought he, he'd definitely get in. Because if you look at the whole squad now, what there's actually two centre forwards, uh, which I, I find strange, especially when you can go with four right backs. You know, you had all quality uh, right backs, but when you can go with four right backs and only two uh, centre forward, and when I'm looking at uh, what Danny Ings has done. Not just this season, uh, but over previous seasons as well. Yeah, I know he's had his injury problem. He always scores goals, you know. And even in the provisional squad, you know, he he was he didn't even get in that, and he, he put uh, Watkins in front of him. And that I, I was I was mystified by that. I'm gonna be very honest. You know, I think Watkins is, he's had an honest season at Aston Villa, you know. But it's um, actually saying that Watkins is in front of Danny Ings. Now, this sometimes in, in football you, you don't understand people's decisions, you know. But it, it is what it is. Yeah. Did you think um, Ward Prowse was unlucky as well from Southampton? Uh, yeah, due to the fact that uh, Jordan's been injured for what is it? I think four months. Yeah, you know, I, I think England have had this history of taking injured players to tournaments. You know, knowing that if they do play, the possibilities of, of them breaking down are great. You know, so I'm 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 strange by both decisions of Jordan and uh, Harry as well. Uh, yeah, we can talk about yeah, brilliant in the dressing room and X Y Z, but you know, once once you're on that football pitch, you've got nothing to do in the dressing room anymore. You know, you you've all got to come together on the pitch. So I'm I'm, I'm very strange about that. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, who are your favourites to to win the the competition? Of France. France, the team to beat? Yeah, yeah, yeah France. If if you look at their team. You know, possibly minus the goalkeeper. If you look at their team in every position, you know, they're going to be difficult with beat. Belgium will be up there as well, but I think France, what they've got in midfield and what they've got up front, obviously bringing Benzema back now as well, they'll have a great opportunity. Yeah, I think Italy <laughs> might be there or thereabouts, you know, just because defensive, they just don't concede goals. I look at their last seven games, they haven't let a goal in, and they've got people that can score now as well but they've probably missed the last couple of competitions yeah I think they're, they're, they're back to typical, a typical Italian team aren't they defensively very very strong and if they do get a goal up to break them down it's going to be very very tough so fair play for uh, to Mancini for you know addressing them like that yeah do you, do you think as you know as a striker yourself and the whole sort of speculation at the minute of Harry Kane with his future sort of up in the air do you worry that that's going to affect him in this competition or do you think he'll just be able to let that go well, for a while? I don't see why it should affect him. You know, it's, it's just, uh, that's his club situation. He's away from his club situation now. Uh, so I don't see why it would affect him. I can't see it affecting him at all, to be brutally honest. Um, I've said on record this is why I think for Harry Kane to find himself in these positions that for me personally, it's a strange predicament to find himself in. Uh, I think before he signed his last contract, Tottenham he was in a position of strength, you know. And I said, um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I, I, I've got no sympathy for him. I haven't. Because anyone who signs a six-year contract at Tottenham, you know, what, seriously, what do you expect? You expect Tottenham to win the, win the league in those next six years? It, it, it's, it's not going to happen. 
I mean, I'm not being disrespectful. It's, it's not going to happen. So what he's, I don't know, he's three years into a six-year contract and then decides like you want to move on. And if, you, if you're going to take Tottenham and Daniel Levy's money, he's not going to make it easy for you to walk out the front door. So if, if he doesn't move on, you know, he put himself in that position, nobody else. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, you moved on. I'm a Newcastle fan. I know you moved on from Newcastle to go to Manchester United. Do you, I mean, do you see why he wants the move? Yeah, I, of, of course I do. You know, but before you sign that last six-year contract, yeah, what is your thought process? You know, if, if, if you know you want to go on to win titles, you want to go on to win the European Cup, or sorry, the Champions League or the FA Cup, whatever, you know, you, you look at Inter and say to yourself, okay, what have Tottenham done over the last 30 years? Yeah? Then I think you've got your answers in that. So if you look at what Tottenham's history has been, you know, I don't think they've won anything, is it in 10 years, 15 years? That was a League Cup. So if you look at that and then you turn around and say to yourself, right, I can actually see us competing against Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, well, not, not really Arsenal, yeah, Liverpool, yeah. That's why I'm going to sign a new six-year contract. I think any, anyone who'd look at him turn around and say, do you need your head testing? You know, because, you know, virtually every uh, decent player that has played for Tottenham has moved on to go on to win things. You know, Berber, uh, Carrick, obviously Teddy. You know, they've, they've all, yeah, they've all played for Tottenham. Yeah, but they've all turned around and said, well, no, we're never going to win anything. So I might as well move away, go somewhere else, win something. And at any stage, I can come back or whatever it may be. So like I said, I, I, I don't understand why he's done it. I, I really don't. You know, was it it's two years into, what, three years into a six-year deal? I, you know, 25, 24 when you sign? I, I, don't, I don't understand it, seriously. I've got to be very, very honest. I don't understand. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that, absolutely. I mean, do you think, I mean, your old team United, do you think they'll go for Kane or do you think he'd more likely end up at a City or a Chelsea? I, I, you know, I think he'll end up more at Manchester City. I think at, let's see, I think he's 20, he's going to be 28, isn't he? Come up to 28. Um, if you look at it, if you look at the sums up of the figure, he's going to be, I don't know, 120, 150, whatever it's going to be. And on top of that, you know, you've got ways on top of that. And if Manchester United need to get back to the way they were, you know, it's going to be more than Harry Kane that makes him get there. You know, we have, we have to be honest. Uh, not one player is going to make a team. But that's, these days, it, it doesn't happen. You know, because there's so many good teams, especially at that top half of the table. So one player is not going to make it all, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we're going to win the title, we're going, to, we're going to win the Champions League and things like that. So £150 million, £120 million on one player, it's a lot of money, knowing that you possibly need three, three to four more. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I mostly we seem to go to Manchester City. Um, possibilities that won't go to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and talk about Man United, I suppose. Have you seen progress with them under the Ollie the last couple of years? I mean, they're second in the league, you know, not too, you're quite, quite a wide away, away from um, City. 
But it, then watching them in the Europa League final, was there any excuses for them to lose that game? I think that, that's, that's been Manchester United, you know, inconsistent, very, very inconsistent. And once you find consistency, naturally football becomes a little bit easier because you're winning for more football matches, as simple as that. And in Man United, you know, um, one week they could play real, real good. And next week you look at them and and say, is that the same team that played the week week before or midweek? Because they've been so inconsistent. I remember when they went top of the league, you know, there's talk about possibility of them going on the win the league. Then all of a sudden it's like, I'm not sure if they didn't believe in themselves or whatever it was. From the top of the league, the form was really, really poor. And then um, for Manchester City to come surging through the league, like, you know, I've never seen that before. And I, I can only go back to obviously when I would play. I don't think any team would have been capable of doing that from, I think, in eighth position, from eighth to the top of the league, and then dominate the rest of the league for the rest of the season. Wow, you know, it's a testament to them, but I, I think that says a lot for a lot of the teams that are around them as well, that Chelsea lost for, Liverpool lost for, Manchester United lost for. You know, it's, when's that happening in the Premier League that every team fighting to win the Premier League loses form and one team comes surging through the league and then end up winning the league at a canter? It, it, it doesn't happen. You know, but like I said, fair play to Manchester City. But Man United... You know, um, they're, they're a little bit away. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I mean, so going back to Euro twenty twenty one, and and you know, and I suppose at the minute there's a lot of um, noise about um, taking the knee. You know, there's there, it's been met with some a minority of, of fans booing it and things like that. Do you, I mean? So I've seen some fans on Twitter and stuff saying, "Well, it's been over a year now. We should be able to move on from this. Why is it still happening?" But is it the you know are people just not getting it that we need? To, to keep making this stand until there's actual change. So, so my, my question is, is, would be to that answer, move on to where? Ignorance is bliss. You know, and you know what, what makes me laugh a lot of the time is well, a lot of the, I mean, well, not a lot, so a small minority of supporters come to their games and, you know, feel like they can vent all their frustration of the week, what's gone in front of them, on professional footballers, regarding skin colour or whatever it is that you think, yeah, you see and think, oh, man, I feel so much better now. Yeah. So what about the individual that you've abused? How are they supposed to feel? But like I said, everyone wants to brush under the carpet. Now, I'll just get on with it, will ya? Yeah, we've had enough. Okay, so you've had enough, but individuals that you're throwing all this out, what about them? You know, they get laid all the prima donnas, they get all this money. And, oh, so that's fine then, yeah? So the prima donnas get all this money so you can just verbally abuse whoever you want and think, oh, yeah, that's the right thing to be done. No, it's not. And we keep talking about education. When you're an adult, you've been educated. You've been educated from when you was young. So if you don't understand it now, you're never going to understand it. And ultimately, yeah, the next generation coming up, yeah, will do exactly the same thing because they think what you've done is right as well. So it's for me, it's, it's all a nonsense. You know, when big people talk about, oh yeah, you know, we get we get behind our team, we get behind our country, but before the game, you actually want to boo the individuals that try and get a result for you. And if they score goal, black, white, yellow, blue, whatever, 
you're actually cheering them because they scored a goal for your respected country. It, it, it doesn't spell sense. So when we're talking about being a little bit simple, I, I do. Because ultimately, there's a lot of intelligent people involved in doing this as well. But it's your perception of what you think is right and wrong. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think, you know, people say move on as well, but it's like the Europa League final was only a few weeks ago, right? And I saw, I saw Marcus Rashford tweeted, got about 70 racist comments after the final. Um, so, you know, it's, it's still, it's still, I mean, I know social media escalates it, but it's happening on and off the pitch still. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that however you look at it, that is a reflection on society. Now, let's not forget this, you know, um, we can't just heap on football. Because that is society in general. You know, people believe now in society you can say whatever you want and get on with it. And if there's any kind of retaliation, an individual gets told, oh, you're this, you're that, or whatever it may be. No, it's not. So unless we try and tidy all this stuff up in society, you know, what goes in the football will continue. But the strangest thing is they come back so strongly in society. That's why they believe oh, we can do or say whatever we want to say at football. A lot of it on social media, keyboard warriors. Um, out of 10 people who sent a message or whatever, if 10 of them could actually stand up and front up to that individual that they're throwing the abuse, I would be surprised if one did it. The anonymous. When you're anonymous, you're powerful. But when you got to face up to reality, no, no one wants to do that. Yeah. And did you have to deal with it? I guess, you know, social media wasn't too much as a player that you had to deal with, but I suppose, did you have to deal with it whilst you were on the field from, from fans? And how would you deal with that? Is it something that you just had to, at the time, you know, because it wasn't something that was a sort of campaign as we are now? Is it something that you just had to kind of let it go? I think in my, my generation was a lot difficult. I mean, not difficult, a lot different to what it is now. I think they're, they're more vocal. Um, I was vocal about it when I played. But... No, I'm not going to go on there and let anyone abuse me due to the colour of my skin. No, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. And um, it's not easy. Of course it's not easy. And I appreciate everything what this generation is doing. But without the generations that have gone before, it's, it's not possible for these boys to have that, have that stand. Uh, so, yeah, it's, no, it, it is what it is. But they just got to keep persevering. Don't accept it. That's, that's one thing you can't do. Once you accept it, you're done. You know, so you, you've got to keep moving forward, as we keep saying. You know, keep fighting and keep fighting hard because you have a platform to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what have you made of uh, Marcus Rashford off the field? I mean, he's been doing amazing things and, and looking like someone that can be a really positive role model um, for, for younger kids, which I think we need right now. Yeah, I, I think what Marcus has done off the field has been brilliant. You know, but with Marcus, I mean, what he's got to do now, he's got to concentrate on what he's doing on the field. You know, um, I think for Marcus, he sees he's been really inconsistent. Now, the first thing that's going to be labelled at him is what he's doing off the football pitch. You know, um, I think if you asked him in, in the European final, he, he was disappointing. You know, so for, what, for whatever you do off the football pitch, away from football, you will be always judged for what you do on the football pitch for when you play football. You know, so everything counteracts everything. So what you do on the football pitch will counteract what you do on the football pitch, vice versa. 
Um, people were quick to let him know that he didn't play particularly well in that final, you know, but he needs to concentrate more on his football than you know, um, all his off-the-field stuff. Yeah. Does he start for England for you? I mean, you think you've got Grealish, Foden, Sterling. Does he Does he start? Uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I'm, I don't know. I really don't know. When when you look at what England now from those positions now, and if Marcus was in good form, I'd turn around and say, yeah, good, good chance. Now, I think Gareth's got so many options. Grealish, Foden, Sterling. Uh, I know a lot of people had a go at Sterling you know, regarding his form, but I think Sterling has turned around his England career unbelievably from, what is it, four years ago? You know, England go out, was it the Euros? Uh, so, yeah, I think it was the Euros. You know, and it, it was all down to Sterling why England went out of the Euros. You know? Uh, and then... He turned that around to being a key player for England. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't start. But then again, you, you never know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, talking about, I mean, there's, I mean I've, I've got it recorded. There's an amazing new documentary on Sky about United and especially that amazing treble team that you were a part of. Um, for you, when you think about that, yeah, probably the greatest Premier League side there was. I mean, is there anyone you look at your sort of your best eleven that you think you could have any player from any era that you could bring into that team? Do you do you bring anyone no. in? No. No, and I, I I get asked this quite a bit, and I always say no. I'll never ever be disrespectful to the players that I played in. Played with, sorry. Um, that team won it because we were the best team. I mean, we can always talk about oh yeah, I'd have brought him in and brought him in. Why don't you put anybody in? Because you achieve what you want to achieve. Your objective in the end was to win the treble. And you've done it with those same players. You know, so you can't win like two trebles in one. Or the only thing you can do is score more goals, you know, win more matches. So for me personally, no. I think it was the best team. And it was the best team for a reason. You touched on it there. Possibly the, the best team in Premier League history. I, I genuinely do believe it is. But then I'll, people turn around and say I'm being biased. You know, like you watch Man City and Pep produce these teams. Yeah, we, we have done. You know, Liverpool, uh, not last season, season before. Very, very good team. But I genuinely do believe what the Premier League was back then was a hell of a lot stronger than what it is now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you had that incredible partnership with Dwight York and... Um... <laughs> You know, people talk about the best strikers. Do you think he get, he's quite an underrated striker? I mean, talking about some of the partnerships there are in Premier League history and he's sort of not been mentioned up there with like yourself, Shearer, Henri and Aguero Kane, but he was a really good, pr- prolific striker. Dwight. Look, I, I think D- D- Dwight proved throughout his career, you know, just how good he is as a player. Um, but let, let, let's not forget in, in, in all this you know, the, the, the crazy thing is everyone's perception is whether they think he's the best or good players or whatever and you, you, you touch on Yorkie there you know people look at him and say oh yeah he, he had a one good season at Man United X, Y and Z what about the season he had at Aston Villa you know and his time at Manchester United um, he was a very good player you know, but it, it is what it is. When it comes to perceptions of who people believe are good centre forwards in the Premier League, and, uh, it's, it, 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 and I laugh now because I just try and say it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, 
No, absolutely. I mean, one thing I did want to ask you as well is like, obviously you played under Fergie and you had the, the coach there, Steve McLaren. And Steve McLaren is kind of, you know, he got a lot of criticism as a manager, I suppose. You know, as a Newcastle fan, he, as a Newcastle fan, he got a lot of stick as England manager and some of the other places he's been as. But I mean, what was he like uh, for, for you as a player, as a coach, Steve McLaren? Steve was a, was a good coach, real good coach. And he's, he's, I think he's possibly one of those ones. A good coach, but not a good manager. You, know, you, you, have, you have loads of people like Well, not loads of people like that, but you have loads of individuals who go into management and people turn and say, nah, he's a really good coach. I mean, top, top coach, but not a good manager. And I think that, that's, that's possibly what Steve was. Steve was a real, real good coach. You know, his sessions were enjoyable. You know, he had always something different, always mixed something up. You know, and I, I enjoyed when he was coaching us, to be honest. I'm not online. I enjoyed his session. Yeah, I think as when you become a senior pro, you will always test people, you know. Uh, but really good coach. Really, really coach. Really good coach. So sessions were always good, uh, intense, and always knew what he wanted. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed working with him. Yeah. And I suppose I've got to ask you as a Newcastle fan what you made of um, St- Steve Bruce as a manager. I mean, again, someone that has come under a lot of criticism under the fans. I was, you know, I've been up and down with him. I think sometimes he's been very harshly treated and then sometimes I've seen our performance where we've won two in 20 and been like, oh, you know, what what's going on? But then he has had good runs as well and he's got manager of the month and, you know, he hasn't, uh, but the fans just aren't, don't, don't seem like he can never win the fans over. So I had this conversation the other day because I was up in Newcastle the other day and had this conversation. I don't think Steve's record is any different than Rafael Benitez. Yeah, but... Yeah. But Rafael, Rafael Benitez was held as an absolute god. You know? I don't think his football at Newcastle was attractive. You know, if you look at some of the signings he had at Newcastle, it wasn't attractive. But like I said, he was held as an absolute god. And Steve, you know, he's gone in. Gone in. Uh, naturally, I, I think the, the first thing at Newcastle is to keep the Premier League. Yeah, his football at time has been real, real down. I'm not going to lie. You know, but in the end, I think Newcastle finished 12th. Comfortable in the end. Comfortable. Back end of the season, played some good football, scoring goals. You know, we had a few injuries to key players at the wrong time. But yeah, he's, he's kept Newcastle in, in the Premier League again. You tell and say to yourself, hmm, he, he must have done something right. And also, it is what it is. It's football is a strange game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what have you made of Alan St. Maximum for Newcastle? He's kind of been, I suppose, the, along with, you know, I mean, Mike Ashley does get stickers Yoda, but he has backed Steve Bruce. He's brought in Callum Wilson, Alan St. Maximum, um, Ryan Fraser. He's brought some, you know, pr- Premier League pretty decent players in. But I mean, Alan St. Maximum has been the highlight, I suppose, for Newcastle and looks really, really yeah, quality. I, I think looking at him, he's just, he's just an individual now who needs consistency. He was injured quite a bit back at home, or not back in the season, last season. And he got himself fit. He's another one, just consistency. You don't know what he's going to give you week to week. Um, once once he finds that, I think it's going to be difficult for Newcastle to keep him. You know, consistency is everything in football. Like, you know, it's, it's no different to getting results week in, week out. As an individual, you want to be consistent as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to talk about your book because I've, I've read it quite recently, your fast forward book, and it's, 
it's a really good read. So it, I guess it's about having that a lot of self belief and that kind of winning mentality to to, to not give up. I mean, what made you kind of um, what want to share your story so, so much? I'm, I'm I'm blaming one of my pals to be fair, because I, I I had no real desire to do another book. I was getting on with life and actually going through what I was going through. And then my mate said to me, "Have you thought about doing another book?" And I said to him, no, not really. He goes, you know, I've got someone who would write it for you. So we had a chat, we had a laugh and that. And I said to him, I'm going and I'll do it. And then he, he just snowballed from there. And he, he picked up momentum. And then I ended up doing it. And he, for me personally, it was very therapeutic in the doing the book. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. And then once, once it's been out there, I think, naturally people always have a perception of whoever it is but i think since my book books come out and a lot of people have read it i think a lot of things have changed mm-hmm. yeah i suppose like how do you when you when you're having those moments of am i good enough to be at the top top level or self-doubt creeps in how have you ever sort of dealt with any kind of um whether it be criticism from uh, outside um outside influences or any self-doubt how do you overcome that for me personally criticism i've always had that i I, I look back on my career now that that's been part and parcel of my career whatever i've done in my career is never ever seemed or perceived to be good enough yeah but yeah i've achieved everything and more than a lot of other people that they lord so that's again that's that's why i i laugh so much now you know, but it's all about perceptions. And what, what I started to understand, if I if I don't give you i.e. media or whatever it is, if I don't give you what you want, yeah, you're a problem. So if you're a problem, I'll start making all kind of nonsense and whatever they they feed it to the outside world and everyone starts getting this perception of you, so oh, it's this, it's that. Oh, where did you hear that? I read it in a newspaper. Oh, so newspapers are gospel. Yeah, yeah, but they must be right because they put it in the paper. So then you, you get into that mode. You know, and I, like I said, I, I played the majority of my career in that mode, you know. I didn't really have a great relationship with the media because for me, it wasn't for me to give myself to the media. I've got, my job is to play football. Um, to try and get my team three points to try and propel ourselves forward. Not to sit down and court the media every other day and try and talk about uh, this, that or whatever. That's, that's not my job. And as a professional footballer, is to play football, to try and score goals, and to play to the best of my ability, not to have a press conference with the media every single day. That that defeats the object, you know. But then then they the agenda starts on what their perceptions are. You of an individual, you don't talk to me, so I think you're X Y Z. Oh, you we just have to get on with it. It's not something that you're gonna. You're going to fall asleep with tonight and think about, oh, my God, no, never bothered me. Never bothered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in your book as well, something that I didn't realise is that you had, a, I suppose, a bit of a fracturous relationship with Teddy Sheridan. But I suppose, like, you, you never would have thought, as a Newcastle fan, I always remember the infamous Lee Boyer, and Dyer scrap but against Aston Villa on, on the pitch. You never, but on the pitch, you guys, you know, if, even if you weren't friends and didn't get on off the field, on the pitch, it was always... Very professional, just getting the three points. If you, if either of you scored, you celebrated. 
you know, you, you have to, be able to you kind have of put that aside. You, you have to. Do. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. And I've had this conversation many times. It don't matter what you do in life or whatever, whatever business you're in. Or everyone doesn't have to get on with everyone. But we, we try and make it, and I say, I'll say one of my powers. You know, we, we don't live in a fluffy world, but my power thinks we live in this fluffy world. No, it doesn't happen. You know, if the world was so fluffy, so, so fluffy, sorry, why is there so much going on in the world? You know, we, we, we don't live there, so we have to try and do the right thing. So, you know, for me personally, you no, know, I, I didn't see eye to eye, but that doesn't mean that when we enter the field, field of play, I take those problems onto the football because it doesn't work. And if your end goal is the same objective, it can't work. So you cross the white line, you play football to win, you win, you walk off the pitch, you get on with things as per normal. And that's, that's the way I looked at it. Yeah, absolutely. And would you celebrate if he scored? Yeah. He's my teammate. He's <laughs> not yeah. like, I'm, I'm not a big, begrudgeful individual. Individual, sorry. So I, I wouldn't worry about, oh, yeah, if he's... No, 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 no. If he scores a goal, Man United went on to win 1-0. I'm buzzing because we've got three points and the objective coming in the season is to be the best team after 38 games. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, is there is there a goal of yours out of all the goals you scored that's a, a, a special one for you? I mean, I always when I think of one of your goals, I there's the one for Blackburn you scored against Liverpool. I think it was on Boxing Day yeah. or something. I remember that. I mean, is there one that particularly like? Yeah, that's the goal. No, I, I enjoy them all. I've got to be very very honest. You know, um, yeah. Well, of course, that stands out. Playing at Anfield is a great place to play. But when 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 you look back and I say to myself, wow, I enjoy playing. I enjoyed all my goals. I have to be very, very honest. That one goes in, I know, top bin or whatever, and then I get a tapping from half a yard. It's still only a goal. So you've got to enjoy it and celebrate it like you put one in the top bin every other week. Yeah. I mean, as a Newcastle fan, I have to ask, I suppose, what was the circumstances of you leaving Newcastle to go to Manchester United? Because it never seemed like you were someone that kind of forced a move or anything like that. I mean, you didn't know too much about it. It just sort of happened, didn't it? Yeah, it didn't. I think sometimes when I've beaten Newcastle, you have that supporters like questioning you as if I forced them. I didn't force them. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin did the move. Uh, Kevin believed at that time. You know, he could generate money, big money in, in that day it was. Uh, to move on to Newcastle's next, Newcastle's next part of their project. Um, I watched a documentary the other day regarding Newcastle. And I watched him, if you listen to Sir John Hall, he, he came out and basically said it as well. Kevin decided to sell me, you know, it was a lot of money at the time, he said he could rebuild off it. So if Sir John Hall can come out and say that, obviously Sir John didn't come out and say, I forced the move, but I didn't. No, but everything is coming out. And uh, now, you know, we, we have the same, me and my, my parents from the crib, and they, they always say the same was, you know, whatsoever's in the dark will always come to the light. And a lot of things are coming out now. You know, people can make their own objective and make their own minds up now about what's gone on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I mean, I have, I have seen, you know, over... Um, the last year you've you've had your your battles off the field as as well. I mean, how I suppose with lockdown it was really really tough for you, right? That sort of isolation. Yeah, you know, I, 
the, the first isolation wasn't too bad. I think, I think it gave me time to reflect on, you know, my career and looking forward and where I'm trying to get to and all those kind of things. You know, yeah, well, of course, at times it was tough because I'm living by myself. But then when I actually took the time to sit down and think, yeah, it was a good thing. The second one was, yeah, that, that was the toughest one. Yeah, because it seemed to drag and it was going through the winter as well and it was dragging on. Mentally, it was, it was tough because just to get up and have the energy to do anything. You know, it was, I think it had the whole country in that mood. No, I can't be bothered mode. Can't be bothered. So, yeah, I think that, that, that was the toughest part. I think it was the toughest part because I, I've known what I've gone through over the last, like, three years. I know how tough it's been and, you know, I know what people have done, you know. Um, when you expect people to be around and they're not around them, they decide that, right, I'm jumping shit now. It's, you know, mentally, things like that to deal with are tough. I and mean, then you go for a lockdown, which is tough as well. So, you, naturally, you do start questioning yourself. But for me, it's been a period of reflection as well. You know, a real good period of reflection. You know, it's nothing's easy, as we know, but, you know, it's where you're trying to get to and how you're going to get yeah, uh, absolutely. And I mean, you have been uh, coaching as well, you know, as part of Sol Campbell's team. And do you see him as a future a future manager going forward as well? Obviously, he's come out of work at the minute, but it, from what I've seen, I think I saw an interview of him not too long ago. He's keen to get back into coaching and management. No, I, I hope so. I hope he's given him an opportunity. You said you've you asked me quite a few questions. And, you know, I, I, I read some of the comments regarding Sol, and I, I, I just laugh so much. You know, it's, it's gut-wrenching when you read some of the comments that people turn around and say. So I, regarding so, I, I read one the other day, an individual actually come out and said, oh, why, why does he think he should be given a job? Why does he think he should be... He's not saying he should think he should be given a job. He's saying he'd like the opportunity to have a job. But the only, the only way you're going to get an opportunity is someone's prepared to give you that chance. If he come out and said, oh, yeah, I, I want to get the management, but... I don't really want to get a job. You turn and say, well, why do you want to do it? So he's actually coming out and saying, you know, he'd love to get a job. You know, he thinks that he's got something to offer. It would be no different than when you're playing. You come out and say the same thing. But then to read some of these comments, you turn and say, so people really that simple. He's not asking, not turning around and saying, I should be given a job. All he's ever asking for is what, put him on a level playing field with everybody else. Yeah, and see how I get on. And that that's... That's what we're asking, you know? But it's, like, like I said, it's, it's perceptions again. One individual, oh yeah, he can get a job because X, Y, Z. Another individual, well, why do you think you should get a job? Well, if we're not on a level, level playing field, yeah, how you read it is how you want to read it. So yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult for him. I know that. Uh, I appreciate that. But like I always say, just keep going. Keep going. Hopefully, someone will give you that opportunity. Yeah. Do you do you find it a bit astonishing that he still gets stick from Tottenham fans about yeah, that's so the dumb. Arsenal move? That is so yeah. That is so dumb. <laughs> so many players do it. Yeah. <laughs> I but think, he, yeah. He, so this one, this one, like actually goes back to the Harry Kane one. Yeah. The Tottenham fans still boo Soul because he went to Arsenal, won things. Yeah. 
So is that not progression in your career? If you leave one place and go to another one and you win. If you leave one business and you go to another, you get promoted to a higher position. That's progression. That's what you want in life. Is if the Tottenham fans were saying, well, stay at Tottenham for the rest of your career, win nothing or a league cup, yeah? And you've had a great career. You've gone to Arsenal, you won a couple of league titles, you know? Uh, you won the FA Cup a couple of times and you got to um, Champions League final, yeah? Oh, that's rubbish. We're still going to boo you because we, you left us to go to Tottenham. I mean, you left Tottenham to go to Arsenal to bet yourself. How dumb is that? And if you ask any of those punters who are booing, if you had an opportunity to leave your present job now and go to a new job and be promoted to a higher position, are you going to stay where you're going to stay? No one does that. No. I mean, so many players do do it. I mean, there's been a few people that play for Newcastle and Sunderland. Steve Bruce, he's managed... Newcastle, Sunderland, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, Villa, Birmingham. I mean, it's, it's, it's people, it's, it's, it's the job, isn't it? And, and I mean, it's, yeah, it does get a bit silly sometimes. Mike Owens played for United, Liverpool. You know, it does get a bit silly sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it, everything in life, you always trying to want to try and progress. And it's as simple as that. And if you're not trying to progress, as an individual, you turn and say, so, okay, then what am I trying to do? The progression in life is natural. Yeah. It's, it's I I, yeah. I mean, and you've been doing a bit of coaching. Is is that something that you want to get back into in terms of coaching, uh, team yeah, management? I'm, or look, Looking at it now, even more so now, yeah. I think knowing what we've been through, obviously going through the pandemic over the last year, knowing that tomorrow is not, not a given. Yeah, I, I keep saying myself now, yeah. I, more so now, yeah, definitely now. You know, uh, someone gets another job, you know, we go through, we, we do the best that we can do, simple as that. Not saying we haven't done that before, but, you know, the, the jobs that he's taken before be so tough. You know, Macclesfield, you know, these days you turn up and you don't even know where you're training. But he's been good enough to get them and keep them in the league, you know, going to the South End, you go there, you think everything's rosy, then you find out they're in embargo. You can't bring players in. You, know, you, you get players out and then realise you can't bring players in, then you play youth team players. You know, that, that's tough in itself. And then the pandemic comes and, you know, he's, he's not had the opportunity to get back since then. So we're talking you know, a year. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a tough one. But, yeah, definitely, definitely love to get back into it, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's important to have that experience though, like managing lower leagues clubs? Because, I mean, I mean, I mean, you look at Manchester United, Arsenal, arguably the two biggest clubs in the the UK, apart from Liverpool as well. But then you have Arteta. This is his first management job. Oli did a bit with Cardiff and a Norwegian team. But do you think some of these younger managers need to branch out a bit more before having such a big job? Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I think you need to learn your trade. Naturally, I, I do genuinely believe you need to lay trade. It's no different to, you know, when you're playing, you know. Unless you're exceptional, you go straight to the first team. You know? Otherwise, you know, you go to the reserves, you might have a long period, and then within time you find yourself in the first team. You know, I, I think management's the same kind of thing. You know, you've you got to okay, you know, more string to your balls, and then go from there. But if you, if you look at what you just said there, a lot of people get thrust into that, thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, 
we perceive as this. So yeah, let's give him that opportunity. So not been given that opportunity. You know? And he's achieved as, as much as, well, virtually all the managers who've gone in there and got high profile jobs. He's achieved exactly more. Captain his country, you know, he won the Premier League. He's done many different things. But yeah, he starts at the lowest level and he's cut his teeth. He's cut his teeth and he just wants the opportunity at a higher level. Yeah. Is, is there any, like, ma- you know, managers that you'd love to, you're sort of currently in the Premier League or Championship or wherever you might look to go that you'd like to work under as a coach? You think yeah, I'd really I'm, like to work I'm, under? I look at Klopp, uh, Guardiola, uh, Brendan Rodgers. I, I look at those and I think, yeah, there's, there's something about those. You know, I think they're, they're naturally, of course, they can all get you playing uh, to the peak of your ability. But I think just looking from the outside, looking in, you know, they've all got something about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Andy, it's been amazing talking to you today. I mean, what would you say to people that are perhaps at the minute going through this pandemic isolation? I've been there as well. You know, we had our struggling moments. Any message that you can give them to sort of help them get through that? Oh, man. Perseverance is the key, you know. Um... I'm not going to lie, of course it's tough. You can't sit and say, oh, no. No, it is tough. It is very, very tough. Uh, I've, I've been, you know, during this time, I've realised good people. You know, good people and, you know, the, the ones who are prepared to stick around and, you know, when I wasn't allowed out, dropping food off for me and all those kind of things. You know, you realise in periods like this, when you think, when you always think that, oh, yeah, he's my mate, he's my mate, and then it's only when you get to find yourself in a position that you realise the true people stand up. And I've realised through this pandemic that real people have really stood up for me. So you've got to try and surround yourself with good people, mentally, physically. Um, you've got to try and go draw good, positive energy of people. Because the people around you, you know, if they're not good people, they're not sapping your energy. So you've got to be around good, positive people, people like who want to try and see you grow and see you become a better person, vice versa. So yeah, perseverance is the key and you know, make sure you've got good people around you. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Andy. It's been a pleasure talking to no you. And yeah, let's hope, let's hope England do all right in the, in the Euros. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cheers. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah, big thanks uh, to Andy there for giving us um, his time. Um, yeah, really interesting uh, from the football side and, you know, talking about um, racism and um, our society today and how, you know, important it is for us to now more than ever, more than ever to take a stand and um, fight against racism. Because like I said, um, you know, I know it's disappointing for United fans losing the Europa um, League final. Um the other week, but you know, to hear that Marcus Rashford got so much um, racial abuse on Twitter after the game is just not acceptable. And you know, more more so now than ever, as fans get back into the stadium and we hope for normality, we need to unite. Um, like I say, now more than ever. Um, but yeah, really excited for Euro twenty twenty one. I'm not a betting man, but I've put a little a little something on Italy to win Euro twenty twenty one. I just find you know. 
Defensively, you look at their last few games, just don't concede a goal. They have got people that can go up the other end and score now as well. Uh, but anyway, big thanks to Andy for coming on. Let's hope England do all right as we go into Euro 2021. Come on, England. And um, yes, uh, what will be will be, as always is with England. Uh, but yes, please be sure to subscribe to us um, on YouTube or under the Shapes of Stories and be subscribed to us on our um, podcast and apps, whether that be um, Apple, whether that be Acast, whether that be Spotify or Castbox, whatever it is you're listening to, um, support the show in any way you can. Um, any donations very much appreciated. You can find out more how to do that um, in our description box. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Shapes of Stories. You can follow me on Instagram under Prestige Books, and you can follow us on our Facebook pages under The Shapes of Stories on my personal Facebook page about me and my books under Lawrence Prestige. But thanks, guys. Um, like I say, come on, England. Let's do something this year. (laughs) And um, yeah, all the best, guys. See you next time.